What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? Again, this is Austin Cunningham, and I am joined, as always, with Doug Anderson, Justin Treese, and Riley O'Brien. And today, of course, we are talking football. Um, a lot of news happening around the NFL again. You know, Monday come around, came around, and we thought, wow, there's a lot happening before the draft. And I remember saying, you know, I think there's going to be at least one more trade made um, before the draft. And sure enough, it happened. Let's go ahead and get right into that blockbuster trade of Frank Clark from Seattle, the Chiefs. And what are your guys' thoughts? For me, I'm a little bit shocked. I was the one saying that I didn't think that they'd get anything more than an early second rounder for him. Getting a, getting a first rounder plus a second and swapping thirds, I mean, I think it's a hell of a deal for Seattle. But I also don't think it's a bad deal for the Chiefs. I think both, both sides got exactly what they wanted and... Value-wise, I think it's great. Now the Chiefs get to only worry about their second-round picks, start worrying about the the DBs. I'm assuming that's probably the route they end up going if it's a safety combo with a corner or whatnot. And then now the Seahawks, they only had four picks. Everybody has to remember that. They had four picks in this draft, which is insanely low. I mean, the Bears almost are like, holy shit, that's not very many picks. And, um, but now they got five. And so I think they're, I think they're happy. And now going at 21 and 29, they're going to be able to get two very solid players at that, at those spots. So I think it was a really good trade. I really don't understand. Well, I do understand the people coming at it saying, Oh, so you get rid of D Ford, then you sign a D Ford like player. Not really. Frank Clark is same position, different type of player though. He'll be a little bit better. Uh, when it comes to stopping the run, pass rush, I think he will add a completely different dynamic to the Chiefs defense, which is definitely needed, as Austin knows, to be able to be a little bit more of a powerhouse. And I mean, the Chiefs, they've started to build up on their defense even more to where it's starting to look a lot more attractive than it did last year. Absolutely. Um, their defensive line is already much bigger than it was last year, even with Justin Houston. And just like Tree said here, they traded D Ford and they practically when they traded D Ford, they got that extra second. So when you look at this trade, they essentially traded a first rounder pick 29, which they weren't going to get any good value there anyways, just because it's in an awkward situation of the edge rushers are gone. You don't want to reach on a corner and you might miss out on a top offensive lineman like a Garrett Bradbury. Correct. So with the Chiefs, essentially works out for them. They get a guy that has better than round one talent in this year's class for pick 29. And so back to my point here, they trade the first round pick and a D Ford and they kept their first two. They kept their two second rounders this year, which is great. I could see beach using those to possibly trade up into the second round and then using a third to trade back up, you know, into the earlier part of the third round. But I really just don't see him sitting there. And if he does, there is good depth. With Seattle, again, like Tree said, they only had four picks in this year's draft. Holy cow, how do you even get to that point, honestly? But right now, they could get a Queen and Farrell, or however the hell you say his name. I'm still trying to figure it out, and I think a lot of other people are too, so I don't feel as bad botching it. But <laughs> it's in the aspect of they can get a guy like Farrell, Farrell and let him develop and eventually maybe be another Frank Clark for them, and then they could grab a Rocky Sin or a corner there at pick 29 with the Chiefs pick there. And they're set in stone. And, 
you know, kind of able to move forward while still developing their team after signing Russell Wilson to this giant contract. Um, speaking of the Seahawks, though, and one of their prominent running backs, Marshawn Lynch, who is now of the Oakland Raiders, or just the Raiders because we still don't know where the hell they're playing, has decided to retire today, whether it becomes official either today or later next week after the draft. Um, he has decided to hang it up, known for some powerful runs. What are your guys' most memorable plays on his end? Marshawn Lynch, man, beast mode. I was never a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, and to this day, I just get bored watching them sometimes. But whenever he ran the ball, I was immediately tuned in. I was watching every little bit of him. I remember back on the Bills, he still had those big plays, but Beast Mode didn't fully you know, come in until he went to the Seahawks. And, I mean, eating his freaking Skittles on the sideline? Yeah, how is that part of any nutrition plan of any NFL player ever and still be able to go do everything that he did? I mean, as a kid, ran into buses. That's how he became beast mode. Freaking love that, dude. Like, he's funny to listen to. Lights a joint outside of the Raiders' stadium when he's injured and can't play. I love everything about Marshawn Lynch, and he's one of the funniest, realest dudes I've ever seen in the NFL. For me, he actually used to bug the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> he, he, I hated when he would be like, I don't want to be like in the, the spotlight. I hate being in the spotlight. But then he would always do shit to get into the spotlight. That always bothered me like when I was younger. But then over time, I was just like, shit, this dude's funny. Like the, all the videos that he, he would come out with and like, when he went out over to London or wherever he went, that video was hilarious. And the whole, like, I'm here just so I don't get fined, that was awesome. I mean, overall, I think he was very good for the NFL. Like, the NFL kind of doesn't want, like, faces, like, to be the core piece, right? Like, like the NBA, it's LeBron, it's... Curry, it's all of the, those players, right? The NFL wants it to be the NFL, not exact players. Besides Tom Brady, I think Tom Brady is that exception. But uh, if you're talking about favorite plays, I mean, you're obviously talking about the the Beast Quake uh, against the Saints. That that was awesome. They were huge underdogs at home. Honestly, Seattle shouldn't even have been in the playoffs. I think they were seven and nine that year. Like that, no, no business being in the playoffs. But you want to know what? When you get home field advantage in the playoffs, fucking look out. What about you, Austin? What's your favorite memory? Um, luckily it wasn't anything with the Raiders. You know, against the Chiefs, he did have at least one decent twenty twenty five yard run that he burst through the middle. But uh, you know, we've seen that time and again with Kansas City's defense. So it is what it is. But you know, kind of like you mentioned with that Beast Quake run. The videos that came after that, the, oh, no, it's Darren Sharper, one of the hardest hidden safeties in the NFL. And, you know, he goes in and this typical, home day. Uh, I remember watching that video in high school with one of my friends, and we would play capture the cone game. And if you'd get the cone across the other side, we were jumping up screaming at. Definitely got in trouble for it. But, you know, he was the same guy from the moment he was in college until he is today. You know, he didn't take shit from nobody. He is who he is, and he was going to stand with that. Even if the NFL 100 video, him reaching out to the cake, he did that on his own. They didn't ask him to do that. He was just straight up going, hey, I'm going to eat this cake. So 
you can either have me doing it or I'm going to do it anyways. And then that's eventually how they got the idea how to start it off. So that was just him. And then the video of him out in the wild with Bear Grylls, that's hilarious as well because he gets so pissed off and scared that he threatens to kill Bear Grylls or whatever his name is as well. <laughs> just Marshawn Lynch is Marshawn Lynch, and I don't think we'll see another one like him. So you got to appreciate the guy. Uh, one of the things that I love about Marshawn Lynch back in his college days was he recognized the immediately the impact of his offensive line. There's a video after either one of their games or one of their practices where he's just sitting there saying, man, I wouldn't do anything if it wasn't for my O-line. I need to take them out to dinner, take them out to Chili's, whatever I can afford right now. I'm a college student. I definitely paraphrase that, but that's essentially him and his realness of recognizing how important his offensive line was to his game. Yeah, he could have been like, dude, I'm beast mode. I can run through anybody, but he didn't. He always paid attention to his O-line. He gave the credit to his players when they deserved it. He was just an overall team player. Exactly. Marshawn Lynch is Marshawn Lynch, and like I said before, we'll never see another one like him. And now going from one uh, superstar running back to another, you know, uh, Chris Johnson decided to hang it up as well this week. Um, he is the guy that holds the combine record for the fastest 40. John Ross does not hold that. That was absolutely rigged. So love the fact I'm going to keep it with Chris Johnson. The dude tore it up in the NFL for a little bit, and then it just kind of seemed like he just hit a wall, you know, and he just kind of fell off a cliff. You didn't really hear much about him. Maybe it was just a location he was in. But to me personally as a fan, it was like Chris Johnson was there. And then we really, everyone just stopped talking about him. So I'm not sure what happened personally on this end for him. But, you know, what are your guys' thoughts and feelings towards Chris Johnson as well? I hated Chris Johnson with a passion, obviously with him being a Titan. And there was always the big rivalry of who's better out of Chris Johnson and MJD. Fun fact for you, it was MJD. Um, but Of course you say that. Of course. I mean, I only I only spit facts on this on this podcast, so don't worry about it. I don't know, Jim. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite game with him though was in 2009. They were playing the Jags, and between those two, uh, MJD and Chris Johnson, they rushed for 405 yards, and they were both like over 180 yards. It was ridiculous. I think MJD started the game with a 80-yard touchdown run and then a 70-yard touchdown run. I think he had like 150 yards and two touchdowns within the first like 10 minutes of the game. It was ridiculous. Um, something that a lot of people don't mention, though, and you were kind of just talking about how you don't really like – he kind of fell off a cliff. He was actually very good in Arizona for a year or two as well. A lot of people just don't really remember that and because that was like right when David Johnson was starting to become who David Johnson is. But Chris Johnson was still carrying the load and doing very good in Bruce Arians' offense. So he overall, he was awesome. The bigger question is, do you guys consider him a Hall of Famer? Not first ballot, but maybe one day far down the road. Um I think what damaged him was his year with the Jets because, I mean, he comes off of seven consecutive years of a 1,000 rushing yards or more, goes to the Jets, doesn't even get to 700 yards, and that kind of did him in. But then you see a light come. He goes to Arizona. 
he's rush he rushes his, the, his first year there for 814 yards but doesn't play the whole season he only played 11 games so he he was coming back like damn all right this guy's got it again here we go next year same thing only played four games next year only played four games I mean, you could see the downhill spiral, but a guy that does rush seven consecutive years, 4,000-plus yards, one year for 2,000 yards, I mean, dude was a beast. That year with the Jets, I just, man, just the Jets in general. This is such a weird organization. <laughs> but that year with the Jets did him in, and I liked the guy. I mean, he signs today... He signed a one-day deal with the Titans so he could retire as a Titan, which I think is awesome. So both two really good running backs hung it up today. Yeah, which is the strange thing about the Jets here is he was still averaging 4.3 yards a carry, which is good. I don't understand. I mean, I don't know who the head coach was for the Jets at that time, but and I, don't, I actually don't know who the other running backs were at that time but it's interesting to not give him more carries at 4.3 yards was it lt no what year did he retire had to have been six years ago right because he got inducted into the hall of fame last year uh or two years ago and you have to be retired five years so it has to be like six or seven years ago at this point okay anyways austin what are your thoughts on cj2k um, just to kind of go off your question on if he's a Hall of Fame guy, you know, I heard this a couple years ago, and I think it's the way I'll base any player on the decision of if there'll be, you know, a Hall of Fame type player or not, is can you tell the story of the NFL with that player or not? You know, can you tell this can you still tell the story of the NFL with or without, you know, Chris Johnson? Do you think the story of the NFL is still there? whether he did or didn't play after what he's done in his career? That's tough because the the 2,000-yard the season was special. Mm-hmm. So I, I do consider anybody that has that 2,000-yard season and still had at least a decent rest of the career, I consider that a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Um, so for me, I would say yes. Um, I'm with you, not first ballot, but like – Hardly any running backs are first ballot Hall of Famers. That's just the way that they do it. So I wouldn't. I'm not too worried about that. But I think at some point he could be getting in. Yes. Also, Chris Ivory was the other running back with him, and Chris Ivory rushed for 821 yards that year. They had, let's see, Michael Vick was also their QB and Geno Smith. So I mean, they their rushing yards looked pretty good. Not gonna lie. But <laughs> crazy season, you know, uh, gra- glad he had a great season and glad that uh, and happy that he was able to kind of go out on his terms, you know, at least being able to say, hey, I want to retire with the Titans, get that one day contract and officially hang him up. That's great for him. Another guy that signed a one day contract was Jonathan Stewart, a running back at our Carolina. You know, he never had that that superstar kind of appearance for him but he was the guy in Carolina for a while. And so seeing him hang it up, you know, it was kind of bittersweet just to know that he did help that franchise so much for so long and was able to be that guy at the running back position for them. Do you guys have any thoughts, feelings towards him at all? The only thing I would say is I felt like him and DeAndre Williams were the first original one-two punch. Like of the NFL that they're trying to go at, 
I, I mean, they're starting to try to go back to like a one back in a sense now, but there was that time the last few years where it's like, you need two backs. You need one guy that can be a power back. You got one guy that can do the receiving pass block and come in for, you know, spurts. And I felt like those two were really the first ones to do that. And I mean, D'Angelo Williams, he was also really good for a couple of years. It's crazy. I don't like that guy. Like every time he gets on TV, he bugs the shit out of me. Um, but he he was really good. He he. I think he led the NFL in rushing one year. Boom! There you go. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up our our running back talk here. Let's get into a little bit more of a serious topic. Um, coming out of Kansas City today with Tyreek Hill. Um, it did come out official that they are not going to be pressing criminal charges against him or his fiance with the abuse of their three-year-old son who has a broken arm. They do not know how it happened. They do know that a crime took place and that a three-year-old has a broken arm. They were not able to find any evidence on the situation that proved who did it or solidified what happened exactly Um do you guys have anything you want to say on that? I know I do, but if you guys do, I want you to go ahead and, you know, have your opportunity here. Was his did his son break his arm like while he was at the Pro Bowl? I honestly don't know what the timetable was. I mean, the police reports came out in February, but you know what happened and I was talking about this with a friend and I'll get into it here in a little bit and I know it's a touchy topic and I really don't want to piss anybody off with you know just kind of running through thoughts that have been going in my mind with it but that timetable was in February two police reports with his name was on the report on the first one and then the second one it was only his fiance's name but I do not know which report you know in that time period related to his son breaking his arm Okay, yeah, I just remember somewhere I read whether it was like people trying to connect the dots of the police reports where he was. I had seen somewhere that he was at the Pro Bowl when his son had broken the arm or one of the police reports were filed. Um, but, I mean, the whole Tyreek Hill situation to me is interesting to say the least. I mean, it's a guy that had issues far before he was ever a chief, college, probably way before then too. So, I mean, that's just the kind of the risk you take with a type of player like that. Um, but at the same time, too, I know that it's really, really hard for the national media to stay out of personal issues, especially of players that make millions of dollars. I feel like sometimes, I mean, yeah, this is how the media people make their money. That's how they get clicks. That how That's how they bring so many people in. I do wish there was to a certain extent where the public didn't get to know as much as we do because we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to disagree with you 100%. Um, I think that if the media didn't jump in and this didn't get this awareness didn't get raised, I think shit like this would happen far more often. I think having this happen and having it be vocalized is what's going to help prevent this in future cases. I think Tyreek Hill is a complete piece of garbage for the most part. Like, I mean, the story is that he, his first issue before he got into the NFL was he was punching his girlfriend in the stomach while she was pregnant, right? And choking her, I believe. Choking her, okay. And then 
now possibly hurting a child. I mean, I'm I'm a I, I guess I'm soft to it because I'm a new dad, and so like to me, like I I've realized that I've become way more of a sensitive person since I've become a dad, which I didn't think was gonna happen. But like I couldn't even imagine like laying a finger on my child um, or my wife for that matter. But um, so for me, I just I just think that that's I think it's good that the media is jumping in on it. I I, I also I get what you're saying. Like it's not everybody's business at all at you know at all the times. But if it can raise awareness, to me, it's a good thing. No, and that, I guess I should have more started off mine. I guess it always depends on the situation. Like, you look at, like, Reuben Foster, you look at Tyreek Hill. Those are the types of things where you want to raise awareness, whether it's child abuse, any type of domestic abuse. My thing sometimes, though, for instance, is Leonard Fournette with unpaid traffic tickets. Like, yes. okay, that that doesn't matter. That's not going to be like, all right, trade him, get him, get him out of Jacksonville. Exactly. So, I guess it always, it's situational. Yeah, but like back to be AB getting arrested or I mean pulled over for speeding. I don't give a shit. That happens all the time. Everybody does it, right? Like everybody speeds. Not everybody does domestic violence. Yeah. Now exactly. we're gonna get to the point that I think Austin really wants to jump in on because Austin's the one that's very close to this situation. So take it away, Austin. Yeah, and I, I agree with you guys here. You know, the media aspect makes complete sense. I don't necessarily want to say that it got blown up out of proportion, but with it being Tyree Kill and him being on the verge of getting, you know, paid a hundred, over hundred million dollar contract or getting, you know, a contract that makes him the highest paid wide receiver in the league, that does blow this up even more. Instead of just being a wide receiver for a team, and this is the not necessarily the first time this something like this has happened in Kansas City, but. It's the first time that a player could be severely suspended by the NFL for a player that's in Kansas City. Does that make sense? So with Kareem Hunt, it happened. He lied to the team. They got him out of town. It was like one, two, three strikes. The fourth one of the video, okay, you lied to us. You got to go. We can't trust you. You're out of here. That's why Kareem Hunt was released. Here was Tyreek Hill, that situation that happened in college. He pled guilty to that. He served his time. He served the punishment. And since coming in the NFL, nothing else has happened. That was his second chance. My thing here with this situation is we don't know who did it. We don't know what happened. But because Tyreek Hill's name is tied to something, to an incident that happened in college that he pled guilty to, everyone automatically assumes that he's the one that did this. If he did do this, fuck that guy. Fuck him. You know what? I don't. Suspend him for the whole year. If he's kicked off the team, so be it. You don't put your hands on a child and purposely hurt them. But this is what leads me to my next point here. We don't necessarily know what happened. You know, I don't think this was a situation where the parents are upset with the child and then just think, I'm going to break your arm. Because that in itself is a horrific thought. That's a horrific situation for a child that no one should ever be in. This very well could have been a situation where the parents are in an argument the kid's messing around. They're trying to leave. They grab the kid. The kid starts crying. You know, it's, hey, you're fine. Get in the car. And then they realize, you know, while they're driving somewhere, they're doing something else. Like, oh, my gosh, his arm's swollen. What happened? Okay, his arm's broken. It's not like it was purposely done. You know, it could have just been one of those situations where it happened. 
And so if they are in a court setting and they're telling a story like, hey, we're in the argument, next thing you know, his arm's broken. They're saying, we don't know what happened. That very well could be the truth, you know, or it could be that one of them is overly aggressive with the child, does not react well to misbehavior and, you know, overly punish the child. And this is eventually what happened. But this is kind of where, like, I stand with it is we don't know what happened and it's hard to just sit here and continue to point fingers at someone and say, you did this, you're a bad guy, you're an awful parent, you're a shitty parent. If you are the one that did it, yes, you are. But if it's something that happened as an accident and you don't know how, you can't figure it out what happened, that's where I have like a misconception with how do we judge this? You know what I mean? The NFL, who knows what the NFL is going to do? They're going to do their own investigation they're for sure probably going to suspend them. The length could be eight to six, six to eight weeks. It could probably be even more than that. For sure, he's going to be suspended. There's no way he's getting paid this contract. And I feel awful for this kid in the end because he is now in a situation where he's been removed from the home. Everyone has eyes on him and his parents. That's always going to be, you know, in his life. That's going to be a back tail for him. And that's going to be something for Tyreek Hill and his fiance as well. Is they're never going to. That's never going to be something that goes away. That's always going to be there on both of them. And that's a hard thing to overcome and show, hey, this isn't who we are. But if it is, you can't have a kid. You know, it kind of comes down to that. You can't have a kid living in a situation that's unsafe. And I'm sorry if I crossed any lines. And I'm sorry if I made people upset. That's not my intentions. I'm just trying to share another side of this that really isn't being discussed in the media because it is a touchy subject. But someone needs to have it because we don't know what happened. Yeah, you're right. We don't know what happened. And I'm with you on the, the end point I actually agreed with, where you're like trying to be like, how do, how do they prove that they're not those type of parents or those type of people? That's how I feel with a lot of players that got in trouble, even domestic violence, while super young and in college or whatnot. Like Tyreek Hill, I was actually just getting over the fact of what he had done because I'm like – People make mistakes, especially when they're young. I have more leniency when you're young and stupid than when you're an adult. But, like, a perfect example is Joe Mixon. Like, that dude has been super clean the last couple years. Like, what he did was not right. It's never going to be right. But I'm going to recognize that an 18-year-old can do stupid things that they would not do when they're 21, when they're more mature and they understand more about things and everybody can say like they should know how to respect women some kids don't have that role model or don't come from an area in the united states or the world where they respect women like that so i also recognize that like you have to put that into account as well and so i'm like for me joe mixon i mean i got you got a clean slate right now but if something else happens that thing's going to pop back up. And then I'm gonna be like, okay, you really were just a douchebag. You really are just a scumbag. Kind of like the Tyreek Hill thing. You're right. We don't know the facts yet. So let's wait until we have facts. But just like you said, if he re- really did do it and it comes out that, yes, he did it, you're right. Fuck that guy, right? But if it was a complete accident, complete accident, then okay, I, I can recognize that. Let's go ahead and get away from this touchy of a subject. You know, we'll move on. We'll let that play out with how the NFL decides it, and we'll talk about it then. But right now, it's draft week. Let's get talking about this. This shit is happening tomorrow. 
It's happening today for you awesome sons of bitches that are listening to it right now. We appreciate you. We love you. The draft is tonight. Let's fucking go. Let's I am get pumped it. up. I hope mm. you guys are. We're sitting here fist pumping mm, 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 right here in the club. That's it. Yeah, boys. Uh, let's go ahead and get into um, some topics that have been discussed recently. The Redskins, you know, our report came out today. The Redskins are thinking about trading up into the draft for a quarterback. If I read it right, that quarterback was Daniel Jones. Why are you going to trade up into the top 10, let alone the top five for Daniel Jones? Let the fucking Broncos do that. Let John Elway, John Elway himself. And John Elway equals fuck in this situation. So let him fuck himself, okay? Because that's what the Broncos do. Dropping a lot of bombs right here, and I'm sorry. But that is a stupid decision by Washington if they decide to do that. There was a report that came out today that Dan Snyder has full control of the Redskins' um, like first-round draft. What, what happened last time he did that? <laughs> <laughs> he traded away two number one first overall, or not first overall, two number one or two first-round, future first-round picks, and one future second-round pick. Yep. For RG3. For RG3. We all know how that turned out. Yeah. Um, hey, Washington, call the team down in Jacksonville. You, you can move up to number seven. We'll, t- we'll take your picks. You, you know what? You know what I'd love? Just a TV show where Dan Snyder and David Gettleman just go out to lunch and just talk about their thoughts of football, kind of what they think the future of the NFL holds, their favorite players. It would be a great TV show. It really would. And I'm sorry, everybody. You guys are probably sick and tired of us talking about our teams, but guess what? It's our podcast. I'm going to do what I fucking want. um, Rumor came out today that the Jaguars are super high on a right tackle. So that's fun. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is not Jawan Taylor. It is Jonah Williams. They want Jonah Williams very badly, and I think they are really hoping that Oliver falls and Atlanta trades up, and then they still get Jonah Williams at that 14th spot. Is Jonah Williams a right tackle or a left tackle? Jonah Williams can play anywhere on that offensive line, but they're not going to move Cam Robinson. They're not going to move from the left side. They won't. That's a good point. Yeah, Cam Robinson in Alabama, it was Cam Robinson on the left side and Jonah Williams on the right side when they were both were at Alabama. Can I just say though, I like that so much more than Jawan Taylor. That's just me though. I have Jonah Williams way above Jawan Taylor, but I know you might not like that pick just because it is an offensive lineman. But I like Jonah way more than Taylor. I have Jonah Williams number nine on my big board, and I have uh, Jawan Taylor 18. Sorry, Austin, was that what you were about to say? Uh, absolutely not. Um, oh. I think this is a smokescreen. I don't think they're interested in the tackle. I think they want to say this, have someone that wants Jonah Williams to try and trade up. You know, it's silly if someone's going to trade for an offensive lineman, but if teams are trading up for a quarterback, hey, this guy's going to fall, but if the Jaguars are thinking of taking him here at seven, we were hoping for him at maybe – a 13, a 14, a 15. Let's trade up and get them. And you know what that does? That pushes TJ Hawkinson back just a little further 
for the Jags. I mean, I hope you're right. I really do. Um, I don't know, Jim. I don't know. That's my Tony <laughs> Romo impression, just I, in case you guys haven't gotten that. That's Tony I Romo. Understand. I don't know, Jim. You guys need to watch football more if you don't understand that. Uh, I hope you're right, but there has always been rumblings um, that they always have like Jonah Williams, and now I just think it's getting a little bit stronger. I know a lot of people have been on the Juwan Taylor thing because they've done a lot of research on him, but I've already went into this tangent a couple episodes ago about how the Jags, they bring in guys all the time that they have no interest in and just try to get that get that out. And I know you can only get like 20 or 30 visits, but I truly believe the Jaguars front office maybe isn't smart enough to, and they actually just waste some visits. You got to love it. You know, you just got to love it as a Jaguars fan, maybe even as a Browns fan, you just, you got to love it. You know what I mean? You do. Uh, Speaking, speaking of something else that I brought up last episode that happened that I agree with the NFL sent a letter to Jacksonville today. And basically it read from Roger Goodell, Dear Tom Coughlin, you need to shut your old, dirty fucking mouth. Thank you. Love the NFL. That's the best paraphrasing I've ever heard. That's that's what it said. It it was like, but they really did send a letter saying, hey, you can't talk about people not showing up to voluntary camps. Like, it's in the CBA that they don't have to. You cannot talk about it. If you do again, we're going to take OTA practices away from you. Hey, talk to me now. Come on now. Talk to me now. That's going to be a new segment right here. And then at the end, they said, you old bastard. We're going to create a new segment that's called Talk to Me Now. (laughs) And it's just going to you just fucking go on a tangent about your team or whatever. So talk to me now, Trees. Come on now. Talk to me. (laughs) Tell us what you really – tell us how you really feel, buddy. All right. So, all right. Cool. Um, What else has been happening the last – over the last two days? Um, there was some report on some podcast, some dude running his mouth, I don't know, saying that Joe Schobert from, that's on my Browns, Joe Schobert is potentially in trade talks that John Dorsey's getting together this crazy deal that no one's expecting. I don't, I have no clue why the Browns would want to trade away Joe Schobert right now when they're already, they're not deep at their linebacker position like they have no depth uh they just jamie collins isn't there anymore joe Schobert, christian kirksey are their main two go-to guys Jannard avery's more of a pass rusher i mean he can still play outside linebacker but that's not the point joe Schobert was the second best line coverage linebacker last year the year before that he was tied and leading the league for tackles like he's really damn good i love joe Schobert. I don't know why they would trade him away at a position they don't have depth in. So I'm glad that that essentially ran its course very briefly, but I don't like that one bit. As you were talking, I was going through my mind here on some possible trade destinations. I'm assuming it's going to be teams that have first-round picks and maybe multiple of them and teams that need a linebacker. And the first two teams I thought of were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders I thought of, you could possibly get pick 27 if it's, like, a good enough deal. The Raiders need a linebacker. They don't have someone for coverage. Their secondary was one of the worst last year. They don't have anyone that can guard a tight end, which hence why Travis Kelsey went the fuck off on him last year, you know, in both (laughs) games that they played. So I 
I say the Bucks, but I don't think they have enough ammo to get up to pick five with Joe Schobert or however the hell you say his name. I know he's a pro bowler, but I don't care enough to know how to pronounce his name. I don't think you have enough ammo to get the fifth pick in the draft from the Bucks. So I could definitely see it being the 27th pick from the Raiders. And then well, what else do the Browns need? You're not going to get a linebacker there at 27th. So what are you going to get? A corner, a safety after Those... getting rid of Peppers? Yeah, those are the two positions they need. And that's a good most. spot for Adderley or Chauncey Gardner that Therese loves over here. So I think that's a good spot, and I think that's something that could definitely happen. And I think it'll be something that happens on the night of the draft so the Browns can get in the first round. Question for you, Austin. Who would you rather have, Joe Schobert or Telvin Smith? <sighs> Telvin Smith, honestly. Damn right, you would. But guess what? He's not on the block, so let's fucking move on. Um, right. I actually heard he was. Yeah. I heard that a second or a third rounder might get him on the team, and I saw that the other day, and I almost sent it to you. If the Chiefs you offer you a third-round pick, you would that. you trade him? You did send that to me. I did send I said, it to you, and, I, said and no. I don't remember what you said. I said no. Um, well, that's a good thing you're not the stupid general manager in the front office because they're idiots, and guess what? The Chiefs have a third rounder now, still with an extra second. And maybe the Chiefs get a, a linebacker now. I mean, it would it would take a second. Like he's too valuable to that defense. Like in Guess reality, what? it would. We don't need him. Too. I'm being a cocky son of a bitch. We don't need him. Yeah, damn damn straight you don't. Speaking of needs, though, everybody, draft is tomorrow. And guess what? We got our second round mock draft for you right now. Austin. You are starting us off with the Arizona Cardinals with pick number 33. Who do you got? Thank you for that uh, that introduction. I appreciate it. You know, you really just kind of sold me here in making this pick. I'm super excited. That was a hell of a job, Therese. Um, Probably don't ever do that again. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, for the Cardinals here, though, to start the second round, I was weighing options up. They have a new quarterback. They got Christian Kirk last year. I think they're fine at wide receiver with Larry Fitzgerald. Next year's class is deep for the wide receiver position. Maybe you get another guy there. So I have them going with Trayvon Mullen, corner out of Clemson. I think that's a good, a good fit for them. Um, Patrick Peterson, you know, we've seen those. Uh, we've seen his social media change from being only Cardinals to just being about him. His bio is very, uh, very plain right now. There's nothing affiliated with the Cardinals. It's not the do-it-all guy for the Arizona Cardinals anymore. It's just a Mr. Do-it-all. He posted pictures on his Instagram or his Twitter. Either way, uh, it kind of looks like his time in Arizona is coming to an end. He requested a trade last year. Belt you know, backed out of it. Arizona convinced him to stay or whatever that situation was. So I think they go corner here and maybe trade Patrick Peterson during the season to a team that's a contender. I would like it to be the Kansas City Chiefs, honestly, but I feel like I talk about them too much as it is. So I have them taking Trayvon Mullen to start the second round. And, Treese, you are now up with the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you have them taking? In the first round, Doug took Byron Murphy to help out their secondary. I think that they desperately need somebody opposite of – T.Y. Hilton, and I'm going to give them Hakeem Butler. I know they, they took up, they took out, or they picked up Funches during free agency. That's a one-year deal. 
let's just move on from that. It's not, it's nothing. It, I think that's a depth signing, even for how, how much they're signing him for. Get Akeem Butler. He ran way faster than everybody expected. He's huge. He's wingspan is great. Megatron thinks he is the next him. I mean, and you're getting him in the second round. Boom. You're welcome, Colts fans. Doug, the Raiders, who you got? All right. So you took my pick. I was going to go Akeem Butler for the Raiders, but that's okay because I'm going to go and kill Harry for the Raiders. They have, they picked up Williams. They picked up Brown. They are building a really good team. So add Nikhil Harry to it, it's going to be insane. Derek Carr, I mean, if Derek Carr is their quarterback, we don't know what they're going to do tomorrow at this point anymore. But Derek Carr, throwing to all of those weapons, it could be a pretty great year for the Raiders. Which brings us now to just on the other side of the bay, the 49ers. Austin, who do you got the 49ers taking? So, uh... I guess we'll just go on a run of wide receivers here for the 49ers. I think uh, their defense is set with the addition of D Ford. They took Nick Bosa in the first round, Doug. That's who you had them taking. So I think they need to go wide receiver here as well. They have their speedster already. They need a guy that, you know, could come down with the ball. Kind of going down the list here, you know, there's really not any more of those big guys here in the early part of the second round. So I will have them take a Debo Samuel, a good pick for San Francisco. You know, he can be a guy that can do whatever they need. He'll be a good fit with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Um, and that's why I have the 49ers taking Debo Samuel here. Therese, you're up next with the New York Giants. Where do you have them going, man? The New York Giants, we got them taking Haskins in the first round. And then we got them coming back around at pick 17, getting their pass rusher and Brian Burns. What else do they need? I think they need to protect their new asset in Haskins. And so I have them taking friend of our podcast, Dalton Reisner. Gosh damn it, dude. I mean, like you- guy. could you imagine Dalton Reisner and Will Hernandez on the same offensive line? That's that's a mean group right there. That is setting the tone. Like That sets a game right there. I like that pick a lot. Damn it. I'm up, I'm upset. I almost didn't pick him just because I knew you were going to pick him with the next pick, Doug, which is for my Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, that uh, that threw a wrench in my original plan because Dalton Reisner, amazing dude. I was going to take him here for the Jags. Can't believe he fell to the second round for us. But I'm going to go on the other side of the ball now. We failed to take literally any of the Clemson D-line. In the first round. Clemson D-line was insane last year. We had three guys to pick from. I'm going to go Cleveland Farrell. Dude is insane. Gets after the ball. Quick off the line. Cleveland Farrell is going to be the guy the Jags take with this pick. Could you imagine the Jags getting TJ Hawkinson and then Cleveland Farrell? There's no way in hell he falls this this far. Um, he, I mean, he obviously did in ours, but there's just no way in hell in real life that happens. But oh my <laughs> god. I would be, I'd be going nuts on Twitter. All of you would unfollow me for how excited I'd be. Jaguars taking Cleveland Farrell be great. And you know what? That brings us to our next pick for the Bucks. Austin, who are they going to take? Yeah, so I am up with the Bucks. Um, I wanted to go corner here, 
but I just don't see them, you know, being able to get a guy that's a good fit here in the early part of the second round. Doug, you made a good point on us not taking any Clemson D-line in the first round, but I think we're going to go back-to-back here with the Christian Wilkins for the Bucs. Gerald McCoy is getting older. I do have a feeling they either trade or release him, you know, heading into the offseason. Maybe during the season they trade him. Um, Not necessarily that he's been unmotivated, but I think getting him to a new home helps re-motivate him and kind of get his motor going again, and they definitely need to replace him because – if they do release him this offseason or, you know, after the draft here, they do save a lot of money. So going Christian Wilkins here for them not necessarily replaces that hole of a McCoy, but it does give them good value moving forward. And then, Treese, you are up again here with the Buffalo Bills. Where do we have them going here after taking a defensive end or defensive lineman in the first round? Yeah, I actually think that they're going to stick with the defensive side here. And honestly, I think that they stick with the defensive line. And I'm going to go with Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. Wow. I mean, they lost They lost Kyle Williams. I think that they're going to want to just get a couple young guys in there. I think they're going to want to do the rotational I mean, that's what their head coach did when he was with the Panthers. I think that he wants to get back to that. He's one of those hard-nosed, defensive-minded guys. I think he's going to start to really just build that defense the way he wants it to be. And who is up next? Is that Doug up? Doug, who do you got next? Well, the Broncos, they uh, (laughs) just got their quarterback of the future, Drew Locke, in the first round, so why don't we protect them? With a guy known as Greg Little. Uh, bring in an offensive lineman, help protect their new asset a little bit, create depth for a really decent offensive lineman, help him grow. Greg Little, Denver Broncos, new offensive lineman in the second round, which brings us to the Bengals. Austin, who do you have them taken in the second round? Um, Here in the first round, we definitely had them going um, – linebacker that's a need that they definitely have but I'm going to go ahead and take them to the offensive side of the ball um I think they need offensive line help you know that's an area where they necessarily don't have anyone known there you know it may be okay but it's not the best offensive line in football so I think Andre Dillard I think a tackle is a good fit here we surprisingly surprisingly didn't have him going in the first round for whatever reason so him falling here for the Bengals in the second round I believe is a good fit it helps bolster their offensive line for the future with a new offensive regimen with a Zach Taylor. And then they're able to move forward with, you know, what they're ultimately wanting to do, whether they do go quarterback here this year in the first round, which leaves them not having Devin Bush, according to us. But, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen in the draft, and that's ultimately the beauty of it. But, Treese, you're up again here with the Lions. What do you got going on? I think Patricia is really going to want to keep with his defensive mind here. And there's a lot of rumors of them considering a linebacker in Devin White if he was going to fall to eight. So let's just have them stick with a linebacker here. They got Montez Sweat as a pass rusher early, and they're going to go with Mac Wilson, linebacker. And I got Doug upset here, everybody. Doug's upset. I think I've stolen every one of his picks today. I love it. I love every single second about this. You so, really have every so, time. I mean, Doug, you're up with the Packers now. You're in panic mode. What are you going to do? Honestly, I had a backup. The Packers are going to take safety out of Maryland, Darnell Savage. 
There have been some talks of him sneaking into the first round here lately, but I really do love Darnell Savage. He is a ball hawk. He is always around the freaking ball. Every time he's able to make a play, it gets crazy. Um, He's fast. He's quick. He hits hard. He's able to break up plays, jumps on routes before they get there. I'm pretty high up on Darnell Savage, to be honest with you. So I see him going to the Packers and being a guy that can fill a great need. I know they just got Adrian Amos, but being able to have Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos up top in their secondary could be huge for them. So that brings us to now the Falcons. Austin, who do you think they're going to go with? I have them going defense here. Uh, The first round, we had them going Cody Ford, offensive lineman, which I think is an immediate need and help with them taking Ford in the first round. I have them going on the defensive line here with a uh, LJ Collier at a TCU. You know, it's not necessarily a guy that a lot of people have been talking about, but this is a good fit for him here with the Falcons. He He did make a lot of noise in the Big 12, and I liked him a lot, Uh, you know, getting to review those the Big 12 defense alignment, uh, he's a great fit. He's physical. He's tough. He's not the fastest guy off the line of scrimmage, but, man, he makes plays, and he's consistent. So I like him here for the Falcons. Now They now they now fill two holes with Cody Ford for the offense and LJ Collier here on the defense. And moving forward, I think that's a great spot for them because they definitely need help on the defensive side of the ball. Trees, you have the Redskins here, and I just seen you or just saw you type in the name in – I kind of forgot about this guy because our drafts have been wild here, but go ahead and tell the people who you took, man. I think we are going to gain a lot of Redskins followers is what I'm saying. Not only did they trade back three spots in the first round to get a first or an additional third rounder, as Austin said last episode, still got the guy he was going to take anyways in Rashawn Gary. And now in the second round, they get their quarterback and they get... The man out of Duke, Daniel Jones. How about them apples? Doug, Panthers, what do you got? So for the Panthers, I'm going to go with Justin Lane. Be able to build upon their secondary, be able to help them out quite a bit. I know that Cam Newton, later rounds, we can fill the need of offensive line. He really needs to stop getting hit so much. Protect him. Um, I know he'll play through injuries, but protect him. But I think, though, that if their defense can start working a little bit harder, bring on another defensive back in Justin Lane, they'll be able to be dominant. Hell, maybe he'll even take it for a pick six, keep the offense off the, off the field. But I see the Panthers taking Justin Lane. And now we have the Dolphins, who I just I don't know how they're going to do this year by any means. But Austin, who are you going to pick to help him out? Yeah, so I wanted to go wide receiver here, but Therese, you know, he's got a beautiful mind and realized that's one of their biggest needs outside of quarterback and had them taking DK Metcalf in the first round for our draft here. So that's a great spot for him to go with the Dolphins, and then next year they can go get their quarterback. So now I have them on the defensive side of the ball, and they need help along the defensive end or on, along the defensive line. And a good guy that I think is a great fit for Miami and for the Dolphins organization is a Chase Winovich out of Michigan. I think he's a guy that was somewhat overlooked in Michigan due to a Devin Bush and a Rashawn Gary because Gary came in as a five-star recruit, had a huge ordeal on what school he was going to pick. But Chase Winovich, when you go back and watch games, he's a guy that's at the ball 
at the end of every play. I mean, he's always there. He's always celebrating with his teammates. You could tell he was a guy that was a great fit there. You know, loved the culture. The team loved him. So I think him going in the second round here, the Dolphins, is a great spot, and that's what the Dolphins need. They need a guy they can build around, the team's going to enjoy being in the locker room with, and ultimately just keep their franchise moving in the right direction. Treese, you're up here with Doug's Browns. Where do you have them going? Yeah, Doug mentioned it earlier today. He said that their depth at linebacker is very poor, and what if they trade some of their guys, right? So I have them taking who I think is one of the more athletic linebackers in this draft, and that is Boston Joseph out of Florida. It might be a little early for some people, but every time you turn on that Florida Gators defense, Joseph and Gardner Johnson Jr. stood out like sore thumbs. They were making plays all over the field all the time. Doug, how do you feel about that? Honestly, I love it. Um, I did a mock draft on Twitter like a month, probably like two and a half months ago. Um, I had them taken Voshan Joseph, probably not as soon as you took him, but I do believe that that's a really good value for him in that area in the second round for the 49th pick. I love it. I'm straight up. I love it. Awesome. Cool. You are now up with the Vikings. All right. So for the Vikings, a very run-heavy team that they just want to keep doing that, ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. Well, they're going to take Daryl Henderson with this pick. That's right. Running back out of Memphis, they're going to take him in the second round, build upon him. I mean, dude is a monster. Daryl Henderson, I'm not going to say he's going to be an insanely good running back, but he's going to be exactly what they need to keep the rotation going around if they're going to continue to be that ground and pound type er, type offense. Before Montgomery and Miles Sanders, that is... That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that is bold. what. Yep. I mean, you and got just lost followers. You got you got Montgomery right there. But all right, okay, yep. cool. No, Daryl Henderson. That's mute. That's no. right. Okay. Austin, make a better pick for the Titans. Yeah, I definitely think I'm going to do that because in the first round I had them taking Noah Fant, which I think you know again is a guy that's going to be able to help them right away. So now I have them going on the opposite side of the ball. I feel like this is kind of the trend I'm heading in here so far in the second round. I'm going to have them actually take O'Shane Zimenez out of Old Dominion. I think this is a good spot for him with the Titans. It's a good spot in the second round. They do need help along the defensive line. They were able to get, you know, a stud last year in the draft, but why not add to that here in the second round? Just get going and keep building that team the, the new Vrabel way. And so now... Now that the Titans are able to build on their defensive line, I think they continue to build their team the way Mike Vrabel wants it, and they're going to keep heading in the right direction. Treese, you are up here with the awful Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't really like that franchise. I respect them. I just don't like them. Where do you have them going and fixing their team that just seems to be kind of falling apart in the eyes of the media? I have them truly believing that, one, they can find more wide receivers late in the draft because they always do. And two, putting all that faith in Big Ben, so they're going to focus on the defensive side. I was actually afraid you were going to take this guy because he is better than the guy you just took, and that is Zach Allen, defensive end out of Boston College. That dude is awesome. Like he's just been moving up my board more and more. I watch him, so I like him. Everybody, come at me if you guys dislike him and he sucks in the NFL in two years. That's fine. Doug, my friend, 
Philadelphia Eagles, who do you got? All right. We went D-back for them in the first round. This round, complete opposite side, two wide receiver. I have them taking Kelvin Harmon. I really like Kelvin Harmon. Really strong hands. Dude has a hard time dropping the ball, which I'm okay if that's a problem. He is decent route running, too, I'll be honest with you. Watching him, not going to call him a technician, but he is very good. With the Eagles, he'll be perfect with Carson Wentz. So the Eagles will take Kelvin Harmon. Now, the Houston Texans, that's Austin's pick. Who do you have them taking? The first round, we had them going uh, offensive lineman there with Garrett Bradbury, which is a great fit for the Texans. I think Deshaun Watson's going to be very happy with that. Now we're going to go back to the defensive side of the ball again. If you guys are kind of starting to notice, I'm going defense here in the second round. I think this is where a lot of depth you know, transitions from the first round here into the second. And I have them going corner Julian Love out of Notre Dame. You know, this is another guy whose name hasn't really been talked about as much now that we're heading into the draft. But he's a guy that was a hell of a player. He did well in Notre Dame. He tested well. And I think this is a great spot for him here with Houston. And now I just saw Treese type in this guy's name. And surprising that he wasn't the second running back off the board. But, uh, you know, Treese is Treese for a reason. And uh, who do you have the Texans going with here in their back-to-back picks in the second round? I have them taking David Montgomery, the running back out of Iowa State. This dude is awesome. I have him, personally, I have him as my number three running back. I do have Miles Sanders ahead of him, but I think what they're going to want in a running back is going to be more of that David Montgomery fill. Um, a lot of you may know they took uh, the Texas running back a few years ago, uh, Foreman, and he tore his Achilles two years ago and just kind of hasn't fully gotten back. I think that Lamar Jet or sorry, Lamar Miller is going to be a prime candidate for a cut during training camp to save salary. And I think that Montgomery leading the charge and then having Foreman come in while he's still getting healthy is going to be an awesome one two punch. And I not completely happy about it as a Jags fan because I think that's a deadly duo. All right. Now we have the Super Bowl champs with one of their dozen picks in this draft. Doug, who do you got the Patriots taking? So for the Patriots, I have them taking one of my favorite defensive linemen in this draft, and that's Kalen Saunders. Dude is insanely athletic. I've never seen a D lineman with the feet that he with his footwork at all. And 300 plus pounds pulling off backflips. Dude is just athletic. And at his position, he is a beast. I know that he did great at the Senior Bowl. Um, tape's fun to watch, too. So I think that he would be the perfect workhorse type mentality that the Patriots run every year. They run their players as much as they possibly can to make them the best that they can become. So Kalen Saunders is going to the Patriots. Now, I made the last pick for the Eagles, but Austin's coming up next with their next pick. Who are they taking? So I'm going to go ahead and reverse my little trend I got going here. We took uh, Rock Yassin for him in the first round, which is a great spot for him. The Eagles definitely need a corner. Now I'm going to help him at their wide receiver. I feel like Nelson Aguilar, his time is up. They're getting Deshaun Jackson back, but he's older. He's not the same guy. So I'm going to have them take Paris Campbell here, wide receiver at Ohio State. I love this spot. I want to say I'm surprised he's dropped this far, but, man, we keep saying this. We just 
we don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like this is something that will happen Thursday and Friday where we're sitting here going, how did this guy fall in the second round? How did this guy make it into the third round? There's just so much talent and depth on these defensive positions that these you know star athletes on the offensive side of the ball, these skill players are just going to keep falling. So I like Paris Campbell here with the Eagles. What are your guys' thoughts with it before we head on to Trace with the Cowboys? I love it. I think it's a good pick. Yeah, me too. I think that they're, that offense is perfect for the style of play that Campbell r- likes to run that he did run in Ohio State, and they're going to find a way to get him in open field, just like how they have with Aguilar. And I think that it's going to be awesome for him. And uh, if you're a fantasy player, if this happens – it's a late-round pick for you. Perfect. Trees, take it away with the Cowboys, man. All right, so we got the Cowboys here. Uh, their defense was low-key really, really good last year. Um, they got guy, they got weapons on the in the DBs. They got two awesome linebackers. They got Lawrence in, up front, and I think that they're going to want to get somebody else on the opposite side of him to try to free that up to get more pressure. And this guy has probably taken the biggest fall from anybody in the draft from after the season started. Do you guys know who this player is? Jake Hypolite. Correct. I think that they're going to take a chance on him. I mean, the Joneses, they're they're not afraid to take take chances on guys like this and having polite and Lawrence on opposite sides. I think that's a dangerous duo and Carson Wentz and now Daniel Jones. Cause we just took him uh, for the Redskins and Eli or Haskins, whoever it is, you guys better be looking out. Cause there's some guys coming after, you know, all right, Colts. So for the Colts, it's really hard for me to really think of what they truly need. I mean, they could always work on depth, different positions yeah there's always help that they need but the Colts are just one of those teams that they're just good and that's just a fact they're good but you also want to protect their quarterback who is a talent that I've loved ever since he's been in the NFL not gonna say I was a guy that loved him before but since he's been in the NFL he's been a blast to watch and so I'm gonna have them take offensive lineman Elton Jenkins to help add depth and to help protect him he's not going to be the guy that's going to just be a powerhouse going to throw people to the ground but he is going to provide you time in the pocket to be able to get those throws off read the field be able to move around a little bit if you need to he'll be at least steady and has a good anchor so the colts will go with elton jenkins and that brings us to the chargers who trees has beating or taking over the chiefs in their division and our guy Austin's picking for him. So who are they taking, buddy? Yeah, Treese is definitely wrong on that decision of who's definitely gonna on who's gonna win the AFC West. Not gonna be the Chargers. You keep standing in that line, bud. Let me know how it is once you're standing there next year. Again, uh, the Chargers do need help along their offensive line. First round, we had them taking a wide receiver, which is deadly for the Chiefs defense. But I have them going Caleb McGarry here. He's going to be a guy that you know has good value for the second round. Has been known to have you know first round talks lately. I think he does fall into the second round. Maybe not this far, but he's a good guy for the Chargers. He's going to be able to go in and play. The Chargers are getting older on the offensive line. Might as well get young in a position here in the second round and go from there. Trees, you are up next with my Kansas City Chiefs, the guys that are the back to back 
to back AFC West champions. Where do you have them going here in their first pick of two in the second round? So we've talked about this a little bit earlier, how now that they took care of the pass rusher, we think that they're going to go for the defensive backs here. And I'm going to have them take a safety here, and that is going to be Deontay Thompson out of Alabama. Kind of team him up with, um, what's his name, Honey Badger. And I see that I see that Austin is not happy with my pick. No, he's slow as fuck, dude. He didn't run the 40 because his wrist was hurt. What the oh, fuck? I'm sorry. Do you, do you, Ow, my do wrist. Like I can't run. Do you want Thornhill? Yes. Okay, I'll take Thornhill. I was I was debating out of those two. Can I go back? Can we, no. can we cut this whole part out? <laughs> Leave it in here. Go ahead. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, I think I think that he's going to be a good player. Yeah, he's a little slow, but you want to know what? I think that they can put him in the box if they want to and let Honey Badger do what he does out in the in center field or whatever they want. I think that the Chiefs are going to be happy with this pick. So fuck you. I don't think they will be, but good, good selection. Thanks, Trees. <laughs> Um, who's up at this point? Fucking Doug with the Saints. Just go. <laughs> so I have for the Saints taking Miles Sanders. Help fill the role of Ingram. Not saying that he's going to be the exact same guy, but it will take some of the load off of Kamara. Um, love Miles Sanders. He is going to ball out. And on that Saints offense, dude, I mean, it's the Saints freaking offense. They're really damn good. So, Miles Sanders tearing up that backfield. The Chiefs are up now. Austin gets to pick for his team this time. So, who are they taking, man? Did I take your pick? You 100% did because I thought there's no way they take a running back here in the second round. They just got rid of Mark Ingram. It is what it is. You got to love the beauty of talking football and what we've become. How does it feel? Trees took three of mine. So with the surprising move by Doug taking Miles Sanders here in the second round with the New Orleans Saints, with the New Orleans Saints, I can't talk right now. We're getting near the end here. Just bear with me, boys. Miles Sanders to the Saints here in the second round was surprising for me because that's where I wanted the Chiefs to go. But I think they do need a corner still. DeAndre Baker, we know we originally picked him in the first with a trade of Frank Clark to Kansas City. That pick is now void. So I have them going with Sean Bunting, cornerback out of Central Michigan. He's a guy that has just started to kind of fly up draft boards coming into the draft here tomorrow, today, now that you're listening. This is a good spot for him here in Kansas City. Kansas City fills an immediate need. And now that I have finally made my pick here for the Chiefs, which was a difficult one. Trius, you are up here to finish off the second round with the New England Patriots. Where do you have them going, man? I have them taking a defensive end. They lost Trey Flowers in free agency. Let's take the third Clemson defensive lineman in the second round, and that is going to be Dexter Lawrence. He was kind of low-key one of the leaders of that entire team, and I think he's a lot better than what people give him credit for. And with being in that organization, it's his leadership's just going to grow and grow and grow. And I think that in four years, we're going to be talking about somebody signing him to a huge deal. And the Patriots just letting him go and getting a third-round comp pick, you know, just doing what they do. 
that's it. That is round two. And we're, I mean, God, East Coast time, we're already almost at draft day. <laughs> oh, it's getting there, man. So I do have a question for, I do have a question for both of you. Do you guys have any hot takes or anything crazy you see happening tomorrow? I could see the Browns trading into the first round uh, by trading in a Duke Johnson, a third and a fifth. Um, I do think that happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, honestly, I could see the Browns trading into the first round with the Raiders. You know, now that we discussed it, that just kind of makes too much sense for me. I don't want to say the Chiefs make into the first round. They got Frank Clark. They paid him a shit ton of money. Just stay put in the second. If you trade up there, it's good. I'm excited for tomorrow. I know we've talked about, you know, a lot of possibilities, but I don't have any hot takes. Trees, do you? There will not be a running back taken tomorrow. I like I am, that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe in Josh Jacobs, and I think he's worth the first-round pick, but I truly believe that he's not. I think I think too many good players fall to the Raiders for them to pick that. I think, I think he's their fallback plan. Because I think that they believe that there's enough talent at running back in rounds two and three that they could get somebody, even if it's not Josh Jacobs. Like, look at us. I, I mean, late in round two, we were getting David Montgomery and Miles Sanders. I think they would be totally fine with him over Josh Jacobs um, if it meant they still get a good player, another good defensive player late in round one. I like I, – I, I, <clears throat> I'm not going to say I like that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's reasonable. Uh, the running back core, I mean, there's some good running backs. I don't know about crazy first round trade up, those types of running backs. So seeing that happen, totally believable. Awesome. And I pretty much think that wraps up what we have for you guys here today. Once again, thank you guys for listening to us. The second round got a little wild. Personally, between us, <laughs> I think we got a little irritated with one another, just the fact of, what the hell is going on? But like I've said before, this is the beauty of talking football. We appreciate you guys for listening. That's it for you today. Enjoy the draft. Share your thoughts with us. Hit us up on social media at Twitter, talking underscore football. We love you. Have a good night. Peace out, guys.